Hey everyone, this is Danny Heifetz. Quick programming note, for the rest of the season, instead of our weekly preview show on Fridays, we're going to be doing the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Thursdays here on this feed. You don't have to go anywhere else to get it. Keep coming to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed. And on Thursdays, we're going to have more Ringer NFL Draft Shows for you. That's going to be in lieu of our Friday weekly recap. Also, with the holidays coming up and like Christmas is on Sunday and New Year's Eve is on Sunday, we're going to pause the, the Sunday shows for the rest of the regular season. And we're going to give you our weekly recaps as part of the Monday show on waivers on Mondays. So keep that coming. So Monday is going to be waivers. We're still going to be doing Power Hour on Wednesdays and the NFL Draft Show on Thursdays. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're coming to you here on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed every Thursday between now and the NFL Draft. And we are coming to you. This is part two, baby, because we ended on a cliffhanger last week. You thought The Way of Water was the sequel of this month? No. <laughs> it's this show, and it didn't take 13 years to make it. I um, don't get that reference. Avatar? Oh, is that what they're calling it? Yeah. I saw Black Panther 2. It was just like better Avatar. Anyway. Terrible take. Have you seen the new Avatar, Craig? I have. Is it good? It's awesome. It'll, it'll oh, knock sick. your socks off. <laughs> I don't know all if right, this is well. real, but all right. I have seen it. I went to the premiere on Monday. It's very good. Cool. We ended the last episode. <laughs> so we so like basically saying neither Bryce Young or CJ Stroud would actually go first in the draft to be the first quarterback off the board. Kind of blew my mind. Solak. Who do you actually think is going to be the first quarterback off the board? Will Levis from the University of Kentucky. <laughs> yes. Now. Is that the guy who, who puts mayonnaise in his coffee? Ugh. Uh, and eats banana peels and what? Dude, I'm, I'm sure a myriad of other culinary unacceptable decisions. Oh, I love it. <laughs> we have to try the coffee mayonnaise thing one day. See? Okay. Now stop. I, Everybody this stop. This is unbelievable. Stop. What Craig just said is why he's going to go first overall. I'm like, oh, he's banana peels. <laughs> and then just, you know, Craig, just like, you know, stereotypical white dude is just like, ah, I freaking love it, man. You got to see what this is all and about. That's every dude in a front office. Get me in a front so the office. The GMs are just like, oh, yeah, mayonnaise coffee. Oh, nice white this. man with a handshake. Wait, you need to expand on that because what are you actually talking about? Are you saying that because he's white and tall, everyone's going to, they like him more? I mean, like, not just yes, but like, yes. Like, why? Like, <laughs> Why did Zach Wilson go before Trey Lance and Justin Fields? Why did Mitchell Trubisky go before Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes? Why did Daniel Jones go before Dwayne Haskins? Like why? Like the prototypical type A alpha male leadership stereotype matters magnitudes more to NFL draft decision makers than it does to us watching on the outside, than it does to the average media member, than it does to the average fan. And in that mattering, in that valuing, myths are then created to justify these players, right? Like Zach Wilson is a perfect example. He's like Patrick Mahomes. He's like Aaron Rodgers. No, he wasn't. Not at all. Not for a second. <laughs> but we said it, right? We leaked it to, 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 to you know, reporters and to Tom McShay and then Mel Kuyper and to the people who talk about these things. And, you know, we talked about it with Daniel Jeremiah and it got to the fans, whatever, so that when the Jets drafted Zach Wilson at two because he was a nice kid with a good arm, Everyone's like, yeah, he's the next Mahomes, which is just ludicrous, right? Daniel Jones, like, yeah, his, his coach in college was Dave Cutcliffe, who coached the Mannings. Yeah. Thereby, Daniel Jones will be a Manning. That was a thing. Like, Dave Gettleman brought that up when he drafted Daniel Jones. Like, this, the, we, we, we generate myths around these players, and particularly these, these, these myths, these like positive theories around 
white quarterbacks who are like type A personalities who are chill. Because like the guy who didn't get that was Justin Herbert. Herbert goes six. He goes after two and after Joe Burrow. And it's because Justin Herbert went back for his senior year at Oregon to finish his biology degree because he loves science. <laughs> and everybody was like, what's up with that, man? He might have leadership problems. Like, that, Is that a bros, bro? He can't lead. He can't. He, he, men won't respect him because he wanted to do his homework. Like, this, this happens year after year <laughs> after year after year. Will, Le- Will Levis played against Ole Miss early in the season. I'm, I'm 98% sure it was the Ole Miss game. And Todd McShay was on the sideline. McShay, who does uh, a draft work for ESPN, yeah. is also a sideline reporter during the college games. And Todd McShay, they, they threw it down to Todd for the pre-opening kickoff uh, you know, talking head moment. Like, oh, what are we watching this game? Todd, what are they saying on the sideline? And Todd McShay took the mic and he said, like verbatim, I will die for Will Levis right now. He was like, Will Levis <laughs> is like verbatim. My- Stop it. <laughs> exact quote. He was like, this is no, like if not. this is like if George Washington had an arm. Like he was like, this is if Mahatma Gandhi was mobile. Like that's the way he talked about Will Levis. You can find this. You he can was like, take my daughter right now. <laughs> in, 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 in all in seriousness, no, yeah. no more putting words in the mouth of Don McShay. <laughs> he said like. NFL teams are enamored with the leadership. Yeah. They see the toughness. <laughs> this guy lost offensive linemen. He lost receivers to the NFL. He's still competing. He loves the game so much. They love the way he's in the room. He's so smart. He's a great leader of men. He's brought this Kentucky program out from nothing. Like Will Levis is everything. And and it's just and then he went and like completed just over 50% of his passes in a loss. <laughs> and Will Levis' production this yeah. year went through the floor. Liam Cohen, his ex-offensive coordinator from 2021, left to join the Rams coaching staff. The, the Kentucky Wildcats hired Rich Gangarello, another NFL cast-off from the Shanahan tree, another wide zone guy. Gangarello came in. The offense wasn't as good. So this same offense that has made like a bunch of NFL quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, look better than they are. Levis was good in it for one year. And then his production fell off. And the NFL is going to get got. By the same thing they've been getting got by, the same system for like the past like five, six years. And last but not least, and this is like the critical thing, is like at, at the root of all of this, like talk about the myth making around big white quarterbacks, talk about the, the wide zone offense and how it affects evaluation, talk about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and what they are. Everybody will fall back on the fact that Will Levis has tools. He does, his tools aren't even that great. He's not that fast. <laughs> He's not that big of an arm. He's a good arm. He's got good mobility. I think he has a scintillating arm. Like to me, I, I can actually scintillating. Kind of, oh, I felt that in my in my gizzard. Oof. I can kind of see how the NFL would fall in love with that guy just based on like the the like the deep ball. It's just a beautiful deep ball that he throws. The illegal name is going to be said though. The, the he who must not be named will be named. People will say Josh Allen when they talk about Will Levis. They'll say, "Oh, Josh Allen was also a big, huge, strong armed white quarterback with bad production." Will Levis is going to be the same thing. A, he won't be because nobody's going to develop like Josh Allen. You can't set your clock to that. But secondly, like he is not the same athlete. He's not the same arm talent as like Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, the guys who like really live off just being so physically gifted. Levis does not have that talent. He's got good talent. He's got tools worth developing. But it's not like we have to trip over ourselves to go draft this guy. Number one level of tools. With that said, NFL is going to do it because that's what this guy that's 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 what this guy represents to them. I mean, he looks like Thad Castle from Blue Mountain State. He looks like the most stereotypical, like, football villain from a movie. He's central casting, which is, I think, what you're pointing out, Solak, which is that, like, and this is a real thing. This happens with coaching all the time, where it's like, no one knows who will be successful in a given role or not, and people kind of end up hiring people who remind them of themselves, and that happens with coaching a lot, but it kind of extends the quarter. Draft is just a hiring process, so the same biases come in. I I guess I see what you're saying, where Will Levis could go first, because we're talking about Bryce Young, where as electric as he is, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, and CJ Stroud has like vibes of like Jared Goff. And it's like, ironically, the Lions are in the top five, maybe of the draft. We'll see where the Lions get a pick, you know, from the Rams. They have Jared Goff. Maybe they don't need Stroud. And they look at Bryce Young. And they're like, do we want a short person? The Seahawks might be in position to maybe take a quarterback. Do they want a short quarterback again like Russ? And then suddenly right, it's like, right. is Will Levis actually going to go for like the Houston Texans are going to take Will Levis? Dan Campbell and Will Levis are going to headbutt each other back and forth. <laughs> you ever the seen those lions. like Russian slap fights where they like hold on to the table super hard and they just hit each other's hearts again? They're going to do that in the combined meeting room. That's a new game show coming out. There's a new show called like Slapshot what where it's just people slapping this? each other. Yes. What's the, what's the thing where they slap each other with like the pancakes or the tortillas or whatever? That was like Sla- a TikTok trend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, 
Will Levis and Dan Campbell are going to engage in some sort of post-Greco-Roman physical contest. And if Will <laughs> Levis endures for at least like two minutes, Dan Campbell will draft him first overall. Greco-Roman style. I'm just confused. So Mel Kuyper compared Will Levis. Also, Levis, right? Not Levi's. Levis. This yes. man has a Levi Jeans sponsorship just waiting to happen. Just has to slightly change the pronunciation of his last name. Get the yes. apostrophe. He should change his name. Dude, how much money would you need to throw an apostrophe? If you're Will Evans, how much money do you really need to throw an apostrophe in your name for he Levi's? He doesn't even like need to legally do it. Just say, he's like, I, you know, in the commercial, I loved Levi's jeans so much that I added an apostrophe <laughs> to my name. Like, that writes itself. Yeah. That's so easy. That's true. I wouldn't need that much money, but I would feel confident getting a lot of money out of the jean people. I'm like, you, you know this is special. Send Half the, the problem when there's an obvious sponsor thing you want to do is like, well, do they do that? They literally sponsored a football stadium. Like, they obviously will do it. Mm. They have Jimmy G. Wow. Get Will to the Niners. Absolutely. Man. Yeah, it's meant to be. <laughs> so he ate a banana peel that was like all brown. Like, it's not even bread and a yellow banana. The banana he bit into was brown. It was like like a banana bread banana. Okay, but was this a one-time thing or does he like like continuously eat banana peels? I think it's for TikTok. So he just did it once as like a fad or does he actually eat banana peels? <laughs> I think he legitimately puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Right, that's and a real thing. People found yeah. this out, and then like there was a hype about it, and then the content machine demanded more. And Will Levis went online and was like, "Weird food thing you can do?" Question mark. And the internet was like, "You could eat banana peels if you wanted to." And he was like, "All right, we'll this move on." This is a big red now. flag. So he's a content creator. The, the mayonnaise thing is not a huge deal. People put butter in their coffee. Putting like fat yeah. in your coffee helps with like. It's not All right, that this crazy. is where I admit what is mayonnaise fat. Is yes. that what's in mayonnaise? Yeah. Oil. I don't know what's in mayonnaise. Egg, egg, egg something? Yeah, it's, it's oil and eggs. Egg yolk. You blend it up. You like emulsify it. You ain't never made an aioli? I, I, not in a coffee. I don't like mayonnaise. Ugh. I like mayo. I like mayonnaise. I've never once looked at it, looked at my mug of coffee and been like, hmm, you two. It's like, a, it's like a modern thing. It's like bulletproof coffee. People put butter in their coffee. It's like a new trend where you put fat in your coffee and it helps delay the release of caffeine or something like that. I don't know. There, Craig's some- this is how Craig talked about kombucha like six months before he started t- drinking kombucha every day. And I bet Craig's by the end of the draft will be actually I don't drink kombucha every day. Every day. <laughs> Once a week. Just your Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Well, Saturday pick me up. All right. We can move on from Levis in a moment, but just to, to bu- bullet point this. Is there a world where we aren't discounting him? Like, what if he's good? Is he is Stafford the right comp? I think the Herbert thing really kind of like opened my mind to having an having a more open mind about guys. Like, I think the Herbert discussion coming into the draft was like he's not very good, and it was like almost a shock when he was taken in the top ten, and we made fun of the Chargers. And now look at him; like a couple of years later, everyone thinks he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm willing to have an open mind about this, and I think. More than Solak, maybe like I kind of see what the NFL sees in him in terms of like he does have a big arm. He can fl- flick of the wrist, he can get it 50 yards down the field. Uh, he's big, tough, rugged. I do think that the interpersonal stuff matters because like these coaches are going to have to work with the guy like 57 hours or 80 hours a week or whatever. And they're going to have to, they want yeah. a guy who's like going to work and all that. Like, likable, coaches work harder on him and the locker room has more patience for him developing right see wilson zach as part of the issue right like it's okay to be bad when you're young it's just you have to make sure everybody around you is okay with that and levis will because levis has good character and that's why teams do care about it it does matter to some degree and you and you said a word there i think that matters young like the other thing about levis is like josh allen he came into the nfl he's like 21 or 22 levis is already he's gonna be a 24 year old rookie that's wild so when is so in his Fifth year option, like his rookie contract's over. He'll be like 29 years old. And the reason he's so old, by the way, like he's so getting, old. He get, he, the reason he gets well, big, he's like built, he's built as this project. The reason he's so old is because he was the backup at Penn State behind Sean Clifford for three years, right? Yeah. And he, and they would use him as like a gadget guy, but he couldn't squarely beat Sean Clifford out. Sean Clifford, who's still at Penn State, Sean Clifford, who's not going to be an NFLer, he goes to Kentucky, he gets the McVeigh offense, he has incredible production for a year. And then the McVeigh guy leaves and the production isn't as good. And so like he's old with one year of production mm-hmm. in an offense that it tends to be a cheat code. It's very similar to like the Kenny conversation or the Zach Wilson conversation who Jeff Grimes was his offensive coordinator at BYU and they ran the wide zone play action offense. Yeah, I think overall, Heifetz, you mentioned Stafford. <laughs> I came up with the high end, low end comp, like the high end comp for Levis is like the, the, the best possible thing that he could become is the guy that Matt Stafford defenders think Matt Stafford is. The low-end comp is the guy that Matt Stafford haters think Matt Stafford is. 
like turnover, too many turnovers, overhyped. Just everyone's so enamored with his arm, but he's actually not very good. Versus like Matt, like the Matt Stafford lover, like people defend Matt Stafford, thinks he's like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's kind of like the range of it. He's gonna, it's he's gonna be like a litmus test or or like a Rorschach test for a lot of people. The Herbert comment is, I like that. Like that, that I do think that that's a good point to make because Levis was so much more accurate in 2021 than he was in 2022. Remarkably, like, like okay, the offense was better, but he just hit throws far better two years ago than he did. One of the things about Justin Herbert coming out was like this guy's not accurate. Like he he's just missing throws. Why? And it was because he was he was playing with some NFLers on the offensive line, but he had no NFLers in terms of pass catchers. And I think that now as we've seen him in in. Los Angeles to be so accurate. And we go back to his Oregon film and wonder why didn't this show up? The, the the caliber of talent, the expectation to be on your route, where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. For a guy who processes like Herbert did, he just never got uh, online with and jive with those Oregon receivers. I'm not sure that's a one-to-one comparison for Levis because I don't think Levis processes in the same way that, that Herbert does. But it is worth noting that like Levis is pretty deficient of NFL talent on his 2022 Kentucky Wildcats roster. And that does make it tough to parse some of these traits where it's like, all right, just how strong of an arm, just how accurate is he? It is affected in terms of the, the, the visuals of it by your surrounding cast. I think to, to wrap up Levis, like I remember last year watching him and kind of over the summer and, and during the, like as the season was beginning, I was like kind of excited about Levis. I was like, you know, he showed some really interesting things last year. Like, he's running around, he's like fist pumping, he's running over guys, running through guys. He's like really tough, rugged, like type quarterback. Um, and I was like, getting pretty excited about him. But then this year just left you wanting something more. You know what I mean? And the, add in the fact that he's 24 years old and it kind of feels like he's being overhyped. But at the same time, I can definitely see like what the, the traits that the NFL is going to like about this guy. So I, at the end of the day, I kind of like him. I think he's overhyped. But I think the NFL is going to love him. So Ben's to go back to Ben's like original point. Like, there's a very strong chance, yes, he will be the first quarterback taken. Bryce Young is a slight favorite over CJ Stroud, and Levis is like fifteen to one. That's unbelievably mispriced. Oh, there's Ben's uh, tip of the day. We've been having Will Levis first overall tickets. <laughs> that was an early purchase. Yeah, we're recording this December fourteenth. So if it's changed since then, we apologize. But we're going to get rich. All right, next up here. So that's the big three. It's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, who, again, we covered a lot in our episode last week. Will Levis from Kentucky. And then the next guy, I, I'm, I am fat. This is like my muse. I'm not obsessed, but like three notches below obsessed. Anthony Richardson, who is the quarterback from Florida, who, Solak, you told me a few days ago, I thought this was absolutely perfect. You said that Anthony Richardson is the first Josh Allen since Josh Allen. Yeah, this is the real Josh Allen comp. So yeah. he can just do, so he just has all the tools and like what if no we control gave an over his body. Cannon? Yep. <laughs> what, dude, what if we put a laser beam on, on a sled? Like, it's just like, holy smokes. When he runs, I, it, he's the, we're talking like, what, 6'4", 222, I want to say is about what he's listed as. Probably a little no, bit No, I think he, he's 6'4", 237 is what I saw. Yeah, so I, I think he's somewhere in like the 220s range legitimately in terms of where he plays. So you could take this guy and like Felipe Franks him and put him at tight end, Logan Thomas him if you wanted to. Just slap a few pounds on and go tomorrow. He has tackle breaking ability. He's got like a stiff arm. He's willing to put a shoulder down. Like he is a tough physical runner. And when he opens his stride, he can absolutely go, right? He can break an angle on a dude. Then he throws... Like he hates the sound barrier. Like he he strides <laughs> into everything. Like Ooh, that's a good got, one. Write that down. He's got to that's chill. He needs <laughs> like like so much of, of accuracy is how you take that lead step, how you take that front step. And Richardson just takes these enormous steps, like massive lead out. It's like Baker Mayfield. Like whenever Baker wanted to throw the football really far down the field, he was like taking these enormous strides. So Richardson's got a lot of lower body stuff that's got to get cleared up. Allen had lower body to upper body mechanic issues that were the problem with his accuracy at Wyoming. But when they are accurate, they're throwing a strawberry through a battleship and they can push the ball 60 plus yards down the field. <laughs> the expressions, man. You're on fire right now. Did you make that one up too? The strawberry one? That's a real one. Yeah, that's a real yeah, one. That's a real one. Richardson. I didn't think he was going to come out because I didn't think NFL teams would give the feedback through like, you know, the, the, the grading channels that Richardson was good enough yet to come out and say, stay for another year, develop a little bit more, and then let's talk. The fact that he came out leads me to believe he's going to go round one. I don't get that. Why would why would you develop better in college than in the NFL? Like an NFL team, and you get to work there, and you get to do go through practice. Even if you're not playing games, you wouldn't de- like Jordan Love isn't developing better on the sideline for the Packers than he would be in college. 
Well, what creates development, right? Because uh, there's a few different ways to develop. And a lot of it is contingent on who is developing. What is your personality, right? Like when I want to get better, like I play a lot of chess. There's there's two ways you can get better at chess. You can do a lot of theory. You can read some books, learn some openings, do some puzzles, or you just play. And I tend to get a lot better when I just play. Sometimes I lose games, sometimes I win games, but generally I improve. Quarterbacks can improve by sitting on the bench. It's happened before. They go through the playbook, go on the chalkboard, do your drills, fix your mechanics. Like for a player with Richardson's issues, fixing your mechanics is not going to happen during live game reps. So absolutely, like being in the NFL and sitting, getting NFL coaching could be to his benefit. Most of the time, guys have to hire private quarterback coaches anyway, but whatever. For some players... You just need live reps to develop. Yeah, you you got to go through the growing process. And I think when Richardson elected to enter the league, if you want to read between the lines, he entered the draft, I should say. Reading between the lines, it seems like, all right, they're going to draft him early enough that he feels like he's going to get, at some time in his rookie contract, the opportunity to start. Right. Mm-hmm. And that'd be the, the argument against coming out, right? Like if you're going to be a third round pick of the Titans, like Malik Willis was, well, if Ryan Tannehill stays good and stays healthy, I'm not getting reps. I'm not going to get better. So I think Richardson got the sort of feedback that he's going round two or earlier such that he can expect to get starting reps and have that opportunity to grow and win a job. So to give context for what, what Ben's talking about here, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he has 13 starts in his college career. Oh. Um, it's like he's a starter for like a year and change. Um, he's had a couple more appearances where he's coming in relief and, and this, that, and the other, but like 13 actual starts on his career which is really rare. There's only been a few guys that have gone like early first round or just first round in general that had fewer than that. And and so I think that is the big deal. Like he just doesn't have the live fire reps. We've talked about this a lot with Trey Lance, who um, I think he had more starts on his resume, but the problem was he didn't throw the ball very much. And so we were actually concerned about literally just the number of times he was, he had thrown the football. Uh, mm-hmm. Trey Lance had 17 starts in his career. Um, and he had he went third overall, and the 49ers traded two first round picks to get him. So that's some context, I think. And if you look at the number of pass attempts in college, Trey Lance had 318 pass attempts in two years starter. Richardson has 393. So maybe Richardson technically has a little more experience. Like he has more yeah, that's really reps versus FCS reps. I think absolutely, too. absolutely. Lance is absolutely though a useful construct for like mm-hmm. if a team wants to talk themselves into Richardson if they feel like he checks the boxes. And yeah, I mean, like the rise you could see could be meteoric. Just so, and because is, the other of thing how valuable is, the traits are. So, with Richardson, he, to me, he's much better Josh Allen comp just because of the physical traits. Like he, he has potential to be like one of the most physically impressive, explosive. He hits you, man. He, he is enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Looking he's at him right big, now, he's so fast big. guy with a big arm. I actually think he's got kind of like underrated feel for the pocket, like. When you watch his tape, he like he'll step up into the pocket. He's not afraid to be in that muddy pocket. He's got the size. Um, he can you know strafe around and, and find buy himself time to throw the ball. Really, it's just like a lack of experience. He's you're going to hear the word raw thrown out with him a lot, just because he doesn't have that many starts. He's kind of inac- like his accuracy comes and goes. His ball placement comes and goes. Um, his completion percentage was like 54 percent this last year, which I would contend would probably be about 10 percentage points higher if his receivers were any good. Like I wanted to gouge my eyeballs out watching some of his receivers this year. Um, but the other thing is he's only 22 or actually he's only 21. He'll turn 22 in May. So I, yeah, I think the NFL is going to see this guy. Some teams will just be like, no, we don't want that project. Other teams are going to be like, absolutely just like wanting to get this guy in the building. Um, and to be honest, I don't know enough about like him personally, like as a person to comment on that. I think that'll be a factor that that will you know be talked about a lot in the next couple of months. And so, um, but like physically speaking, yeah, he's he's awesome. But like you said, you you talked about how he declared, which means that he thinks that he'll be able to get playing time on his rookie contract. But if he goes later in the draft, he's likely to get drafted by a team who has a good quarterback right now. So isn't that kind of like a catch twenty two? If he goes early, he'll start. But if he goes late, he won't. So do you guys think that a team like? a Texans or I don't know, a, a team that needs a quarterback is more likely to go up and get him? Or do you think he's more likely to just be like a Malik Willis type that somebody drafts with a strong starting quarterback already and he's not going to see the field for a while? I think the kind of the Drew Locke range is more what I would say, right? There was hype that like Drew Locke was going to go maybe first round as we got close to the draft and he ended up going early second round. He went to the Broncos after they had just acquired Teddy Bridgewater. And they kind of knew like, all right, like if Teddy hits for us, like cool but probably not going to go win a Super Bowl with Teddy. There's also a chance that Teddy's just not good enough to elevate our offense the way we need him to, and our season's lost. And it'd be nice if we had a developmental quarterback to put out there for eight games and see if we can get a starting quarterback out of him. So that kind Mm. of like early, second, late, first, which 
over the course of NFL history, that idea of like, oh, just draft a developmental quarterback in a second tends to not hold up. Most of those guys miss. But if you look at how helpful it was when the dude hit Jalen yep. Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles, the the, the, the value gained, if you get it right, is massive. Mm. So uh, Richardson, I, I think like once you get outside of the top 10, you're going to go to some sort of team with probably some sort of established quarterback, but the uh, the the late late first early second window and and kind of the hey like let's see if he's ready and when he's ready and what it looks like Lamar behind Joe Flacco at 32 like that sort of an approach to me yeah. makes sense. It's like more like the team that takes him is less likely to have a really strong starter and more likely to have like a so like a bridge, like a Washington Commanders situation. I'm no, I'm going to call my shot right now. The team that should do this is the Seahawks because they've got the two first and two seconds and they should just take like Will Anderson or someone in the top, like in the top five. And the Seahawks should just trade slightly up from their top second. Just take like Anthony Richardson. I like that a lot. First, I mean, and then, are you Gino talking like years. and then keep Gino around for a year or two? Keep G- keep Gino yeah. for like three years. I don't care. Jordan Lesbon on the bench. Just teach Anthony Richardson. I, I when I The first time we, we can move on in a second, but I just the first time I saw him play, I had no idea who he was. And I was watching some Ohio State game and they were talking about how Marvis Harrison Jr. was on the team. And there's USC or like, you know, they got Jerry Rice's son. And then I turned on Florida. I was like, Cam Newton's too young to have a son playing football, right? That was like, <laughs> honestly, the first thing I thought. Like he's wearing the, fl- like this, this kid is incredible. I mean, he, he, he reminds me like the way he plays, like you could see a Justin Fields type. Like if you build a Justin Fields type offense, we've seen this year where you're really kind of like holding hands in the passing game, but like, he can do some things as a runner and then develop him along the way kind of deal, get some weapons around him. Like I, I, I'm really excited about what he can do. And as Solek brought up at the beginning, like a lot of people thought he was just going to go back to school. And a lot of people probably think he should go back to school. But in a lot of these cases, like he'll talk to like the NFL advisory, draft advisory board. I can't remember what it's called. The grade advisory, like they'll give him like basically like first, second round or later round, I think is, is the, criteria they do and then a lot of times people base that decision on that so uh definitely will be really interesting to where to where to see where he goes i think he's gonna be a first round pick next guy here hendon hooker for tennessee who was playing well and then he tore his acl against south carolina sucks sucks that he tore his acl not he doesn't suck i'm not saying he sucks (laughs) wow (laughs) put it as the headline of the episode is 24 years old so, like, how old are you? 25. I was born in 97. <laughs> Hendon Hooker was born in January of 98. All these guys are old. <laughs> what? This is the new thing, Craig, because you get the extra year of eligibility with the COVID year. Plus, now guys are staying for People extra People transferring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Transfer Hendon Hooker was originally at Virginia Tech, meant to save Justin Fuente's tenure there, and that went terribly. So, he left to Tennessee. Then Josh Hoypel became the head coach of Tennessee. Josh Hoypel was previously at UCF. He was through the Oklahoma tree. He runs the Baylor offense that like Baylor just won national, not national titles with, but Baylor was unbelievably successful passing the Art Bryles offense. And he took Hennon Hooker and he was like, hey, you can throw it like 65 yards, right? And Hennon Hooker was like, yeah. And then he was like, yeah. And if you tuck and run, you can like break a tackle, right? And Hooker was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, you're going to be a Heisman. And then that's exactly what happened. It's been so awesome. For you guys to visualize what the type of offense that he's talking about, at least for the Tennessee this year, they they have their five offensive linemen, usually him and shotgun, and then a running back, and then the receivers are standing like on the sidelines. Yeah, they're so wide, <laughs> like <laughs> they're as far away from the like formation as you possibly could be. It creates like so much stress on the defense in terms of like the space or whatever. Uh, I think it makes the reads really relatively easy for the quarterback. It's like half field reads most of the time. It's like you're playing the most annoying kid in Madden who just goes like four deep every time. <laughs> So is the guy who's almost Solak's age with the torn ACL and the fake offense, is this a first round player? No, I don't think so, especially because of the ACL thing. Like, I think there was a chance he was getting a little bit of momentum for potentially being like a late first round type player um, later. What does he do well? Like, what's what is he good at besides throwing a deep ball? Got a cannon for an arm. He's big. He's strong. He takes care of the football, too, which is like a lot of these guys especially, you know, like when you talk about Will Levis, like he's got kind of a lot of turnovers relative to um, a lot of these guys coming out of college football. Um, I want to say Hooker has something like 58 or 57 touchdowns and three interceptions the last two years. All right, next guy here. Tanner McKee from Stanford. Mm. Uh, this sounds like a Madden-generated college player. Tanner McKee. Sounds like a Stanford name, doesn't Danny, it? Danny, <laughs> how did we let Tanner McKee get in this episode? When we were talking about it, it made sense. There's some people that think he's going to be a first-round pick. 
I don't think he's gonna, but I've seen some whispers that like he could sneak into the first round. I'd like to see Tanner McKee break a tackle in the pocket, and then I will treat him <laughs> as an NFL draft prospect. Give me the rundown. Big, small, fast, deep arm, tall accurate. Tall as fuck. This guy's a tall glass of water, Craig. He's six foot six. <laughs> oh. 228 pounds. So he's a tall, skinny guy. Um, well, I guess he's big enough. He's not really, really skinny. I would say he's kind of like got that awkward teenager, like newborn giraffe vibes in terms of athleticism. He's like not He's at Stanford for a reason. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, so I, I, I saw that the he was in the same high school class as Trevor Lawrence and Fields, and like those were the top two guys, and he was just like the awkward third banana as like the third guy in that class. And then he went, he did his Mormon mission in Brazil for mm-hmm. two years, and so like he's 22, but already did that, so in a way he's young. He's relatively inexperienced. He's got, he's a two-year starter, but he's also old because he took two years off from college, from college football to do his mission. But the thing is like, he's really, really tall and a little bit Awkward, I guess, or in, I don't know. It's just hard to explain. He, to me, his his mechanics. He's Brock Osweiler. Do you yeah, remember he looks watching like Brock, Brock Osweiler, Osweiler <laughs> try to move, try to throw the he's football, try to do a thing? Yeah, like he's he's got NFL arm talent, and certainly mm-hmm. because he played for David Shaw, he like ran grown up concepts. But he's not particularly accurate. He, I don't find him to be like remarkably smart, like elite processor, moving guys with his eyes. He doesn't manage a pocket very well. And then like with CJ Stroud, we talked about in the previous episode, right? Like, oh, and it breaks down. How good can he be? Whatever. With McKee, it is a lost cause. It, there's, there's like Stroud's at least got something. McKee does not have the ability to operate outside of the pocket, which to me is just a total non-starter in the modern NFL. So like on the fantasy show last week, we were talking about like if modern, I know you're not a huge movie guy, but modern, like a modern movie, like a teenage, you know, romance comedy. Yeah, like yeah. a rom-com, just like who like the the name would be for like a modern like villain of a high school movie. And we were like Brock, Hunter, Chad. I think Tanner is like on this list. <laughs> Tanner McKee. Yeah. yeah. I think I think if you find yourself a Stanford quarterback, a little Davis Mills, a little Tanner McKee, KJ yeah. Costello, I think that's a good, that's a good through line to villain in a, in a teenage rom-com is whatever the Stanford quarterback currently is. All right, so Tanner McKee, tall, white, 6'6", might just go in the first round. I would say, like, if you put together like a cut-up of some of his best throws, there's some pretty impressive, like he'll drop it into a bucket throws, but the, the consistency is not great. And again, like I just think he's a little awkward out there. Like He's just too tall. I went back and read Robert Mays a couple of years ago, wrote <laughs> this article. He, he wrote, Mays like, reported an article about like, is 6'6", six six, like too tall? To be yeah, right. well, you know what's so funny is like, <laughs> there was, Mays was obsessed with this for years, and then in like an aside on Hard Knocks, John Gruden just like answered it basically when he was yelling at Mike Glennon on Hard Knocks and he was like, Mike, can't throw that. You're too tall to stare down your receivers, Glennon. And I was like, oh, that's it. It's just, you could just see them staring it down easier. Well, I think the, the other thing that May said that he wrote in the article is like, basically, it depends on when these guys get tall. <laughs> like essentially if they're early, if they grow up really tall, they're really tall from a young age. They're just a little more like gangly and awkward. Whereas if they get tall later in life, they're a little bit more seasoned. They can understand their body. <laughs> so maybe he's the, you know, maybe this is good. I don't know. I have a great tall NFL draft story, which is good young young reporter Ben. I was at the Senior Bowl. It was probably twenty nineteen ish, and Donald Parham was a six foot eight tight end out of Stetson. Right, he now plays for the Los Angeles Chargers. And Parham was a late add to the roster. He was a late bloomer. College football at Stetson in Florida. Like nobody's ever heard of it. He had shot up tremendously over the last few years. He came to college like six foot. He was six eight. He just couldn't stop growing. And I was like, I want to write a piece about this guy. It came out of nowhere. It's incredible. And I was like, the most interesting thing would be like, what's it like to be 6'8"? Like, how did this happen? Like, this is crazy. And so I sat down with Donald Stetson, who now in my professional career, I would be able to identify, oh, this person doesn't want to talk to me at all. But at the time, I was a little guppy. And I was like, this is going to be very cool for me and for him. And I was like, Donald, like, and I started asking him the questions, this, that, and whatever. And then eventually I was like, what's the worst thing about being tall? Like, what's the most inconvenient part? And he looked me dead in the eyes and he went, I'm always in pain. Oh, yeah. And I said, I said, what? And he said, my growth plates constantly hurt. I'm Ow. always in pain. And I said, thanks, Donald. It's been a great time talking to you. I appreciate it. And then I did not write the article. <laughs> oh, my God. Constant growing pains. Jeez. I'm looking at highlights of, of Tanner McKee right now. I wanted to ask you guys quickly, a quick aside. Is watching highlights one of the biggest waste of times if you want an accurate assessment of a player? Yeah. There's... 
How does the average person like know if a quarterback's good? All you can do is go on YouTube and watch their seven best plays of the year where everybody no, looks no, no, fantastic. No, no. On YouTube right now, type Tanner McKee verse VS. All right. And what do you got? So it's like he's Tanner McKee versus Washington versus USC, but they're all short. They're like eight, seven minutes. Is it just every pass of his? Yeah. So yeah, this, this, this was the revolution, man. Like, like when I started wanting to work in the NFL space, I came up in the draft space because that's where there were so many opportunities to like learn and talk about plays because there was a huge community of guys, shout out the OG draft breakdown community that would just take a, uh, they would, TiVo a game, three hours, and then they would cut it up. So it was every single play of Tanner McKee, and then they would put it on YouTube. And it was like, th- this is why the draft's so big. Like We weren't doing a draft show two years ago, five years ago. Now we are. Why is the drafting on such a big thing in the NFL? It's because back in 2004, when you, the Pittsburgh Steelers took Ben Roethlisberger out of Miami of Ohio, you opened the paper, and your favorite sports writer was like, Ben Roethlisberger is big and good. And then you went to work and you were like, you hear about this kid, he's big and good. This is sick. And you had no opportunity to, to watch him play, right? And yeah. then over the last 10 years with YouTube, highlight reels certainly, but also these full game cutups come out. And now like, you know, you you draft you know, you know, RG3 out of Baylor. And instead of like caring about what some talking head says on the draft, you can go and watch him play. And then you can go, oh, this is the greatest player that ever existed. We're going to win all the games. And that created this demand for for more players to have their cut-ups put up and, and more plays to be available. So if anybody's like, like, oh, I wonder what Tanner McKee is like, you can search highlight and it'll give you like a, an impression of what he can do. But if you want to see like what the nuts and bolts are, first name, last name, verse, enter. And then you'll be able to find game cut-ups and it gives you a better picture of strengths and weaknesses. That's too boring, though. I can't watch him play Washington for eight minutes. <laughs> I, I, I literally am Dude. watching the Tanner McKee Washington. This Whoever said he was like a giraffe, is. I've never seen a more awkward person trying to escape people in my life. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, you're so right. It's incredible. Uh, so big picture question here. I'm curious, including Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and all these guys, Will Levis, Richardson, Hendon Hooker, Tanner McKee. How do all these guys compare to Caleb Williams for USC, who's not draft eligible yet, but he just won the Heisman and is the man? Like, is he just like miles above all these people? And like, he's the best player in college football and all these guys coming out are like, they're not, none of them are even close. I mean, it's like this every year. We say this shit every year, but yeah, <laughs> Caleb Williams. There's always like, a guy next year yeah, who's better than everybody this year. That's how it always year. goes. And then, you know, Time will tell if this is, ends up being yep. true. But yeah, like he's super exciting. <laughs> Go look at any 2023 draft piece written around this time last year. And there's references to hashtags about tanking for Bryce Young. And Bryce Young may not be the first pick this year. Yeah. Bryce Young is five foot ten, right? Grass is always greener next year's class. Caleb is very, very, very good. The answer to your question is probably yes. But... We do this every single year. So it's, it's always important to like, you know, temper your expectations. So right now, Will Levis going first. If you had to bet which of these guys would go in the first round right now, and we'll hold you this for the rest of your lives. How many quarterbacks are going in the first round? Bryce Young, Stroud, Will Levis, three, or any of these other guys going to go in the first? Richardson. If I had to bet right now, I'd say four. I would say four too, yeah. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. There's our quarterback preview for you guys. We're doing the NFL Draft Show every Thursday. We're going to do now America's favorite segment. The only segment as far as I'm concerned. Two jargons and a lie. Yes. 
Two draft jargons in a lie. Let me ask you guys, both DK and Ben, are you guys running out of jargon or is there still a deep well of jargon available? Oh, we are 100% running out. <laughs> Plumbing yeah. the depths of the draft jargon. Just, all right. Combing the sea. <laughs> Digging okay. into crates to try and find new words. Ben, I'm going to take you out of this one, okay? Because I feel like you know too many of these terms. So this is for Craig and Copy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. Number one, tightrope walker. Number two, go home gear. Number three, Got some shit in his neck. <laughs> Stop it. Got some shit in his neck. What Do you have definitions mean? prepared for all of these phrases? Yes. You can say no. Can you use got shit in his neck in his sentence? No, 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 no. Not got shit in his neck. Got some. He's got some shit in his neck. That, that's the sentence. This guy. Basically, it means he's nasty and tough. Where did that come from? I don't know. Where did any of these so There was from? once a guy. And in there was neck. an old, <laughs> old curmudgeonly scout said it one time and everyone was like, yeah, I like that. I think the gear one. Eh, wait, what was the first one again? Tightrope walker. And what was the second one? Go home gear. I think tightrope walker is fake. If got some shit in his neck is fake, that's such a bold flex by DK to be like, <laughs> I'm going to make up something so random and specific and it will be fake. Agree. Go home gear. I don't, I don't know how somebody would think of that. Go home gear is just like the guy who's got the extra gear and they just named the extra gear as go home gear. Okay. Right? I assume it's like a speed thing. Am I supposed to answer that or you guys yeah, are what guessing is go, so? What is go home gear? Yeah, yeah, go home gear is like he just runs past everybody and just he, he's fast enough to get away from everyone and go home. The Forrest Gump. Yeah, it is, it's like run Forrest and then he just yes. runs out of the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Tightrope tight walker's fake. Yeah, that's, that's an easy lie to come up with. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, <laughs> the has got some, got some shit, shit in, his in his neck. Is it means he's tough. I, that one is not like as well known. It's not in the lexicon quite as much, I think, as people think. I did look it up on Twitter. There was uh, some reference to I think Bud Grant, like old school coach, saying it. Um, but the the true story behind it is I was talking to Nora Princiati, and I was telling her that we were doing some of this stuff. She texted a source. Asking for what th things they use in their rooms. And that was what he said. Wow. So I thought that was a good one. There was some video, I can't remember who it was, of like, like a, a draft video release of a team talking about a player. And one of the guys, he was like wearing like a full suit. He's got like the, you know, they got the, the Microsoft service guy, 10,000 notebooks. He was just like, yeah, he's like a cross between Ezekiel Elliott and, and you know, Eric Dickerson. He's got some shit in his neck. And everybody was just like nodding wisely. He's like, yeah. So yeah. So I was like, you just put this out? Like, that's not real words. But apparently it is. Out of all the quarterbacks in this draft, who has the most shit in their neck? Levis. <laughs> no question, Levis. Dude, yeah, he's eating one, banana baby. peels. He's Full like banana peels and mayonnaise. In, in addition to having like terrible taste in certain things, he's he actually is like reckless with his body. I think there, that's another reason that maybe he gets like the Josh Allen cause. He will like lower his shoulder. He'll like dive for a first down and just get freaking helicoptered in like by like three guys. Looks like he's meet Joe Black get hit by cars. Like, I'm getting huge 14-year-old boy vibes from Levis between just, I'll eat anything if I'm on camera and you dare me, and like, yeah, I'll just like throw my body to, in the He needs line. to chill a little. He's got some shit in his neck. I don't, I cannot confirm this whatsoever. He's on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Craig, Craig <laughs> while, we're, while, we're, while we're doing the pod, Craig just texts us a picture of Will Levis. He is so <laughs> defined and vascular. This man's on steroids. Vascular. <laughs> That's a term vascular tight skin this will levis we haven't used that we haven't used this text chain in like a minute it's been a, a year since we did this pod tiny hands big yields is the name of the text chain shout out, Chris Ryan. Ryan. shout out death metal draft <laughs> the yields are not that big right now for <laughs> they're they're mini yields they're medium yields also the tattoo he has because i'm looking at this thing of him flexing and the tattoo is second chronicles 15 7 i googled that and the bible verses but as for you be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded chronicles is good for some one-liners like to get a chronicles in there get a psalms <laughs> but is that god endorsing steroids <laughs> Depends on the interpretation. What biblical <laughs> exegesis are we doing here? Are we translating from Aramaic or what do you like? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Got some questions. What are you up to, Will Lovis? Vascular. Can't get over that. Dude, he has like a river of veins dispersed <laughs> over his forearms. Craig is so perfectly making my case for why Will Lovis is going to go first <laughs> overall. Just every time he talks about him, I'm like, and that's a general manager. I just accidentally knocked my headphones off because <laughs> I was like, 
too distracting. The first Houston Vascular. Texans reporter is going to be like, Nick Casario, why Cal McNair, why Will Levis? And Nick Casario is going to be like, have you seen this guy's veins? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like how I wanted to look when I was 23. And we went from there. Two jargons and a lie. This one's from Jacob. 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 Jake. I pulled this email all the way from um, April when we were talking about Traylon Burks hunting pigs with like <laughs> knives. Nice. Wow. Hunting <laughs> boars with knives. Yes. And uh, Jacob says, growing up hunting in Kansas, I've heard a lot of euphemisms for different types of game animals. Below are two real ones and a lie. Whistle pig. Ditch parrot. Speed goat. <laughs> <laughs> speed goat's real. Fun claws. Speed goat is real. What what's wait, what's the linking category? What did he say these are from? Game animals. So whistle pig is a if bourbon in Vermont, which I'm like, oh, it's fake. But then I'm like, but is that why they named it a whistle? whistle is that where they got the name from? I feel like a whistle pig's got to be just a pig that can run really fast. It's like whistling. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you throw a Nerf football. Yeah, yeah. It's like how their horns are sticking out of their mouth creates a whistling noise. They're running so fast. If whistle pig is real. I feel like ditch parrot is real. I feel like that's like a pejorative for like a grouse, which would then mean speed goat is ditch fake. Parrot is so funny. And if it's speed like goat is fake, I will be sad. <laughs> speed goat. Speed goat. I thought for sure. Goat. I thought you knew that what a speed goat was. No, I just I love the idea. And Matt, I'm just thinking of a fast goat, and I'm laughing. Come on, a goat's just moving quick. I could totally see two dudes hunting, looking for like as you said, like you know, grouse or something, and they're like, oh, look at that ditch parrot there. What is a speed goat? I don't even like I fast want, goat. I want speed goat to be real, so I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna say ditch parrot is fake. <laughs> I think I think whistle pig is fake. I'm saying whistle pig's fake. I mean, I think speed goat is fake. Ah, <laughs> no fun. Whistle pig is the lie. Damn it! I'm so good. <laughs> wow, I'm so so lax. So what's this a, So did he explain what these things are? Ditch parrot is yeah, basically it's a pheasant. Um, speed goat is another name for an antelope. Speed that makes goat. sense. It's a fast goat. Yeah. <laughs> Just a fast goat. Could get more creative than that. Speed That's goat. really funny. I want to start calling things whistle pigs, though. Yeah, I like whistle pig. I feel like antelope is so noble. I feel like if I was like, I took down an antelope today, it'd be like an impressive thing. I took down a speed goat today. Sounds dumb. I love it. It just makes it sound way worse. There's two <laughs> kinds of offensive linemen, I think. There's like big, you know, trash cans full of dirt, and there's Whistle pigs. I like Whistle that. pigs. Yeah. That was a good one. That was really good. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you got two jargons and a lie. Something related to the show, something your job, mundane, interesting, whatever. Two jargons and a lie. If you can, put the answer in white text because then if not, I cheat. I get accused of cheating, but I lose anyway, so it's fine. Also, you can email us draft questions too if you actually have questions. Oh, right. That too. But yeah, I always forget that. But two jargons and a lie, mostly. Thank you to everyone who emails us. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for production help. Thank you, Will Levis, for the Mayonnaise in the coffee content, but like we'll you don't be trying that anything. soon. Thank you, Lauren. 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 Thank you, future. Oh, damn. Future. I mean, obviously, you're anti Rust now, so you're big, you're pro future. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with it, Craig. The second Rust got traded to the to the Broncos, DK bought like seven future albums. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the Broncos, the Seahawks should have invited, you know, that game where all the old Seahawks came back? They should have invited future to the game. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was talk of that. Um, was there? There was like him doing the, the 12th man flag or something oh like that. God. Have you guys seen that video of Future saying he loves cheesecake? No. <laughs> no. Is that where he's no. so sensational? Oh, I don't know about that. Since, well, oh, wait. Speaking of cheese, though, we discovered so like you, you eat a lot of cheese, like like a weird amount, to be honest. We discovered that DK eats uh, like a quesadilla every day, basically. Every Just day. Just mixed cheese and a tortilla. DK Sadia. <laughs> I really like that. DK Sadia. Is this like a <laughs> snack? Yeah, it's like lunch. How big a tortilla? You want 10 Just inches? Just like the 12? burrito, the burrito size, yeah. So that's the 12-inch tortilla. We folding it over or are we going one on top of the other? No, I'm doing one on top of the other, yeah. DK hasn't had his quesadilla yet, so he's not thinking clearly. <laughs> Au contraire, I did have my quesadilla already today. Oh, Kai, he sent the YouTube video. I hope this is future saying he likes cheesecake. He does it in a really low voice. He goes, I love cheesecake. Oh, I do know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> I like cheesecake real late at night. <laughs> That's the only thing Solak and Future have in common is they're two in the morning. They're just pounding cheesecake. I didn't know that that individual was Future. I recognize that meme. I just had no idea who it was. Didn't someone send you cheese like un 
announced? Uh, it turns out that was my cousin, so it was kosher. It was okay. Oh, okay. He had me for Secret Santa. I forgot. Do you about like that. cheesecake, Ben? Are you are, <laughs> do you like cheese incorporated in your desserts? I mean, like I love cheesecake. Cheese Danish. I don't know what, cheese Danish is good. Every fall for Thanksgiving, growing up, my aunt would make a pumpkin cheesecake. Now mm. my wife Meredith, who's an unbelievable cook, uh, has the recipe and she makes pumpkin cheesecake. This stuff's incredible. Whenever n- next the next Thanksgiving we're all together, you know, as a family, pumpkin <laughs> cheesecake, man world ending does she use the pumpkin pie mix and incorporate that with like a cream cheese cheesecake i think or does she blend up pumpkin herself yeah, you you use like processed pumpkin right and then Got there's it. like a, a recipe because like it changes the consistency of it so you use things in different levels and then the big thing is i'm giving away the trade secrets you know uh like ginger snap cookies mm-hmm. you cr- that's what you make the crust out of you crush those up and you make it like it's super super thick and it gives it like more fall flavor yeah, that's spice. Look, that's good. I spend 11 months of the year looking forward to pumpkin cheesecake and then one month of the year eating pumpkin cheesecake. That's that sounds great. I love holiday desserts. <laughs> so much better than the other desserts of the year. It's not even close. Because they're guiltless because of celebration. They, I just think the fall flavors just destroy any other season's like flavors. There's no, what are the spring flavors? Dude, winter just murders people. But no, I, but I very much agree with Craig, right? The best thing of spring, oh, strawberry? <laughs> Give me pumpkin cheesecake. Come on, dude. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, Craig. Nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice. Like, what are you making in April? <laughs> Get out of Watermelon. Here. Wow, it's a melon <laughs> with more water in it than the average melon. Sick. Oh, oh, cool. It's February. What are we having for dinner? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I love how Craig's like, man, winter kills people from LA. I'm out here with like know, my exactly. hoodie over it's my sweater. 72 degrees here, I like, guys. I like when there's a roadmap based on the seasons telling you what you'll be eating for dinner that month. Dude, you I should come like- live somewhere where there's actually seasons. The sensation is, is heightened. Maybe I should. LA actually does have a two seasons select. There's jacket season and not jacket season. And then what <laughs> no one fucking told me about moving to Los Angeles. Oh, geez. You've said this like a hundred times. All right, say it for him, Craig. <laughs> June gloom, overcast, and I'm like, wow, why is it like just so gray? They're like, oh yeah, it's June gloom. You can't see the the sun for like the month of June. There's no sunlight in LA, and everyone's like, acts like this is totally normal. I like it when it's overcast. That's their winter. Well, the truth is that summer goes to like October in in Southern California. I will say this year is the coldest Southern California has ever been, in my opinion. Oh, poor you're guy literally right now. Really we see the sunlight behind you right now. It doesn't mean it's hot. The low right now, the low today is 42. I know that's uh, not that crazy. That's cold in LA in December. I'm telling you, Solak lives in Michigan. That's colder than I was expecting, Craig. Thank you. 42 is a low in LA. I was was gonna be condescending no matter what, so I had to commit. I had to scrape my car off this morning, Craig. Cry about it. You can move. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, relocate. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone.